Good morning, good afternoon, good day. How are you? Um, well, we are um, back in the middle of a field. <laughs> if only every podcast could start in that way. <laughs> we are back on the Peak District National uh, Park boundary. Uh, we are just away from Roughfields, just off Pathfield Main Road. I'm back where I finished my walk with Tim the other day. And magically, as if I click my fingers, Tim is back here. In the distance behind him, some beautiful, like, kind of straight tree lines with one bird just not even like precariously balancing very sturdily balancing on the tip of one of the branches um well i think we're going to move pretty quick tim because there is a tractor heading towards us which is mucking uh yeah let's take a path so we have come back to where we um finished up the other day we've met back on the track which we had said where the holy stone was and um, it's a marking point and this is where the border kind of cuts these fields almost in half but what we're interested in walking today is from um, this particular field near Pathfield Main Road all the way out to Deep Clough Farm and instead of taking the path down that I took with Casa uh, towards Bottoms Reservoir to walk along the waterline we are taking the kind of scored muddy path Um, to the right hand side and I think we better hurry up pretty quickly Uh, the sheep are back in this field today Um, it's a little bit more shady not as sunny as we were the other day um, Tim but it's still mighty cold yeah it's not it's not warmed up any is it Um, I can hear some sheep calling us there's one coming to the distance maybe they think oh my goodness there's a lot of sheep running straight towards us (laughs) (laughs) I think they think that the tractor's bringing them food so in a second you're gonna hear loads of sheep oh okay yeah the tractor's there well i mean this hasn't happened on any podcast yet uh we've got about a hundred sheep heading directly towards us it's slightly intimidating in a way isn't it (laughs) that's uh that is crazy (laughs) sorry guys we haven't got any food for you (laughs) i mean i've probably got like some nuts but i'm not sure that's in your kind of yeah, your diet. Yeah, did, did yeah, do sheep eat cheese sandwiches? There's a question for our uh, our listeners. <laughs> right, well, we are walking along what to me just like looks like a muddy track. Um, but what does the? Uh, oh my goodness, what does the? Um, what does this track? Is this a medieval trackway that yeah, you're thinking of? This is this is the main trackway uh, between Deep Clough and let's say Hadfield. Um, the whole stone we've talked about in the last podcast was the marker that marks the junction. Can, can I just say that we, all the sheep are following us now? <laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're walking along what is essentially the medieval trackway or from Hadfield to Deep Clough Farm, uh, which is mentioned, I think, first mentioned about 1630, 1640. What, but this track was mentioned in 1630? Deep Clough was. And Hadfield, obviously, being very old um, in the Doomsday Book, if you want to get between Deep Clough and Hadfield, you've got to come via a trackway, and this is this trackway. Oh my goodness! I mean, that is just mind-blowing to think about. As we're walking through a field with sheep and yams on the floor, and I know it looks like loads of leftover onion bits. To be honest, we can take ourselves back to the like, I don't know, the 11th and 12th century, and imagine <laughs> someone pulling a rickety kind of trolley, doing you know, taking home 
I don't know, their trade or their salt to their farm at Deep Clough or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Salt being the big one, of course. Um, these are all salters' tracks as well as um, trackways that people use. Um, yeah, I love the I love the romance of them because they are trackways that people use. I'd say in the last podcast we talked about the, the the parish church being at Glossop. Well, that's the place you bury people, so bodies had to be brought down these things. Mm. Um, news of uh, battles and kings that sort of thing news of the new religion which i think probably arrived quite late in glossop but uh, you know as henry viii dissolved the monasteries and and the church of england was born so these are all big changes uh, all all this news and all these things would have happened along these trackways well we're headed towards um well in a second we'll we'll come out won't we where there's a clear footpath sign there's a gate which takes you through a tunnel and you have the choice to go back onto the longdendale trail that way I mean, sometimes there are cattle in this field. Uh, there are obviously a sheep, so if you're a dog walker, respect the fact that you'd probably need to put your dog on a lead at certain times of the year. I've just noticed, actually, where we're coming to. I can't believe I've never actually walked this track before. I've always walked around this field. But there is a load of stone where the water is coming out through some pipes and heading down towards... The reservoir and there's quite a bit of water coming out of here at the yeah. moment in fact let's just go and have a listen to that um, um i never noticed this it's a natural spring i think um rather than it just being a field drain this is water coming out of the we're on the, the fault line the spring line if you will um and it's yeah it, it would be pure water although i wouldn't like to drink it right now but um it's quite interesting because these places are extremely important in the past in fact, what, if we look around here, we will find, almost certainly find bits of pottery. People coming here to fill up their water for their daily needs um, very often will drop things. Um, so if we look around, we may find something. Oh, OK. Well, I'm going to go look, get closer to the water so people can listen to that water, although it's incredibly muddy. See what you can see, Tim. Um, there are lots of stepping stones around here, and it's kind of the water's coming in bursts into a really old... Uh, molded bath there are one two three four five six different pipes where the water can kind of flow from I guess it must be somewhere from just where the trail is down towards the reservoirs seems very apt doesn't it that we happen to be on the flight path here the sheep have calmed down a bit so a plane's going overhead Yet, you know, we're talking about a medieval tramway and uh, <laughs> the plane is overhead. What can you see? I mean, to me, um, it looks incredibly muddy here today. There's lots of stones and I'm not seeing much. What, um, yeah, I mean, there isn't a huge amount to see. One thing that does leap out at me um, is right behind you. There's a, a glacial erratic. A uh, what? A glacial erratic. That's what a, is that? A boulder that has been rolled along by a glacier. Um, if you look, it's round, it's like a pebble, it's a huge pebble. Um, all the other stones are all broken and um, got edges to them. Whereas that one is a huge one. It's not been shaped by somebody, that is a natural thing. It looks like here, I mean, it could almost be um, a fence post or a stone or uh, another, one, another yeah. marker point. Um, it looks pretty flat, you know? I mean, yeah, this is it. You've got to remember that the landscape as we see it now has, has changed hugely. Most of Longdon now would have been woodland. 
Um, and these trackways being important, obviously communication lines. But you know, if you're traveling in the dark, it's very easy to get lost. Um, so people needed marker points. So all these trackways and all this, all you know, these, these, these settlements will be very heavily marked with one form or another, usually using a stone. Why not? Because it's the stones are everywhere. Okay. Well, we will head. That's just amazing. I love that. Back up. <laughs> I can't even remember what you called it, an, an erratic, an erratic. erratic glacier. Glacial erratic, in fact, you can probably see. I don't know how to say it or spell it. <laughs> this is why I can't be an archaeologist, because <laughs> I can't spell your job title and I can't say half the words you say. I mean, well, you must I mean, be very good at spelling. Uh, yeah, and writing. I, yes, I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow my trumpet. I can spell hard words. <laughs> Bits of glass here, actually. Yeah. Right, uh, clamber up the incredibly muddy bank. A lovely little uh, hole here. I wonder whether a rabbit appears from there at night. Good little hiding space, I suppose, where there's a bit of water and someone's just walking on the top of the hill above. You can see the trackway as you walk up, stumbling up from the uh, from the well, from the uh, the spring. You can see the trackway running along straight ahead of you. I mean, it's interesting because where, where we've come from, the spring, it's almost like there are so many different paths, aren't there? There's a path to the right which almost looks more like kind of a car path because you can see almost the, the wheel marks and yeah. the shape of that and then to the left the kind of scored path the muddy path kind of continues to a, a gap in the wall um, some of those dry stone walls must be so old and slightly kind of worse for wear in parts but you know the 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 way the walls kind of separate the landscape i always think um you know whenever i've kind of taken photos and then um, I've been learning how to do oil painting um, in the last couple of years and trying to convert some of my photos to um, to oil paintings and the walls are so difficult to do. They're like the worst bit. <laughs> well, you'd think it'd be easy though with a straight line. I mean, you'd just, be up, just whack the paint on surely. But... Oh, come on. That's like saying all trees are green. <laughs> well, they are, aren't they? I mean, oh. you know. <laughs> no, they're mostly brown and black. What's interesting about the, the walls though is they are largely a product of a early 19th century. Um, these are all, all the results of the land being carved up um, with, uh, well, yeah, in various ways and means, but um, certainly the Acts of Parliament um, allowed this land to be, to be walled in like this. Right, well, we've seen a marker post for the public footpath, a very old one. We're taking a left turn where we continue to follow these tracks where obviously the farmer must drive and use this track to drop off food. Um, for the animals and uh, yeah we're along the top of the wall so the reservoir is to the left of us oh a little a little bit of sun just appearing on the valve house in the corner I was um I was reading up on the the valve house the other day actually because I mentioned in uh, my episode with Cassa about the coat of arms mm. that's on the valve house and it being from Manchester Corporation and um, I've actually put a pin in our map um, which accompanies this podcast um, at longdendaletales.co.uk and the, the, the pin shows an article which I found which com it does say it's the Manchester Corporation coat of arms and um, there was a brilliant article by a tour guy called Jonathan Schofield and he actually has got the same coat of arms picture which he found in Manchester Town Hall Extension huh. and it explains all the different parts of it um, you know, lions, there's even a globe 
with bees on it. So, you know, people think the bee for Manchester kind of came out of something after the Manchester Arena attack, but actually the bee has been a significant part of, you know, Manchester's history for many, many years. Um, and these, these kind of little bees are all around the city. And it's just crazy to think that there is, you know, a coat of arms in the town hall all the way in Manchester city centre. And the same coat of arms is here on a valve house at Bottoms Reservoir. Of course, Manchester owned most of the land here. They were the ones who, you know, commissioned and paid for a lot of the building of the reservoirs because they needed the water in Manchester yeah. for a growing town. Right, <laughs> let's go through. You know what? I love a gate sound, as we mentioned the other day. <laughs> the sign says uh, TPT East. Uh, Trans Pennine Trail, if you wonder what that is, Longdendale Trail with a lovely yellow arrow. I have, oh yes, I have slightly fallen in love with this tunnel. I'm not going to lie. I've become a tunnel geek. Um, I have like crazy ambitions for this tunnel, but oh, as we yeah. look up now, there are little, it's like a muddy track through the tunnel. It opens out, you'll hear when we enter the, tr the, the tunnel because it'll sound different, but the, the sun is coming from the opposite side of the tunnel and it's just lighting with all the shadows of the trees around on the tiny little steps up uh, through the other side. So this tunnel is underneath what is now known as the Longdendale Trail. These are the tunnels where the trains would have ran over, you know, via Hadfield Station all the way through to Sheffield, um, stopping at Crowden and Woodhead. But what I only noticed a few weeks ago, which is why I thought it's another ask tim segment of the podcast <laughs> i only noticed like that there are stonemason markings and i learned from you tim that glossop viaduct bridge has lots of these stonemason markings which i understand is how they used to get paid so they'd kind of almost have their tag and then at the end of the day it'd be like right you've done one two three four five i'm going to pay you X number of shillings or that's, something. That's exactly it. it it's, uh, it's a way of keeping tab. It's also, interestingly, a way of, um, I, I don't know, sort of uh, quality control. So you know if some of these are not very good, you know who did it. Um, but uh -huh. yeah, it's, it, if you didn't mark it, somebody else would mark it and they'd get paid for your work. Um, but what's interesting about this is that it, I, I don't know of anywhere else, because these the mason's marks, every stone has a mason's mark on it, but it's usually they're put facing into the wall, so you don't see them. Here, it's the exact opposite. Every stone, I mean, it is literally every stone has a mason's mark on it, and I don't know why it was done here. This is a very minor sort of underpass. This is just the, the track. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no reason to make it look nice, but still, this seems like overkill. And the only other place I've ever seen this, uh, this, this intensity of mason's marks, is in Audley Edge Station. And if you, as the train pulls out, uh, going towards Crewe, if anybody ever does this, uh, you can see there's hundreds of these mason's marks on each of the stones. It's, it, it's bonkers, and I don't know why. I just don't understand it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm looking at one here. There's an arrow. There's one that's more like an asterisk. Uh, there's one that looks like... I mean, imagine if you're on a beach and the seagull was there, like a kind of, I don't know, triangular kind of shape. What are the little shapes? There's one that looks like a fish to the side. This is an interesting one, isn't it? Like a, a four, but backwards, reversed. Oh. Um, and that's a, it's a very old mark. It's, uh, it's Essentially, it's the sign of the cross or um, the, 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 the ancient Christian symbol. Um, whether it means that in this context, who knows? Um, but it's just a mark. Because there's only a limited number of marks you can make with a straight chisel. Because it's very difficult to make a circle in, yeah. in stone. So these things are done very quickly, but they're done 
you know, let's say to, in order to get paid. But uh, yeah, it blows my mind. I, the first time I came across this, I spent a, an hour or so in here just wandering around, looking at them all. Okay, that's more than I spent. Well, I mean, somebody who did spend uh, an extraordinary uh, amount of time, I actually purchased one of his framed photos, was a chap called Chris Howarth. During uh, lockdown, he grew up in this area, but during lockdown, he found himself walking the trail a little bit more and exploring and looking a bit closer. And he came to this tunnel and captured this tunnel over the course of a year. Mm. So through the tunnel, as I kind of turn my back to where the steps are and the sun is and look out, you can see that the tunnel shapes, you know, you've got all the trees which don't have leaves so we can see all the way through to uh, the reservoir. It's a beautiful place to catch the sunset actually. We can see Woodhead Pass and Timp Whistle in the far distance and three pylons, four pylons, that kind of centre focus with the, the gate there and his photos are really beautiful in just kind of seeing this you know on a snowy day on a beautiful summer's day mm. and um yeah it, it's it's one of those kind of things that i think is very easy that you know typically you would probably walk over this tunnel and not know it's here or maybe even you pass through it but you never actually really stop to notice all the stonemason markings on it so should we carry up we are coming up to are we going to take go back on the trail now or are we, we going up through this way. I was going to say, this is the, the, the actual way, I think, to Deep Clough. Um, uh, do you know what? I have never, ever been over the stile. I always just take go back up on the trail because I feel like it's safe ground. But just here, there is a little stile as we come out of the tunnel. And, um, yeah. Hang on a sec. There we go. Tim's found a massive piece of pottery at think, the top. Think back to the last podcast. What did I say it was? Oh, a flood pipe. A, a flood <laughs> A flow, a flood... Field drain. Oh, There we okay. go, Victorian field drain. Field drain, no way. <laughs> it's just, it's huge. Yeah, they're, they're big. It's probably even a sewage pipe, that one, so... Well. <laughs> well, I never. Gosh, right in front of us. Right, well, oh, just climb up towards the stile. Um, actually, do you know what? It looks, it looks pretty muddy in there, and there is also... A sign saying bull in field and there are a number of cows there tim so i'm gonna say maybe we just walk along to deep clough along the trail which might be better as i imagine i think they're gonna be coming up to uh, lambing time there so maybe we play it safe and uh, stick but i see what you mean about up through this field to the left and actually where there's a cow walking along the uh the, the medieval trackway right there and we can see in the distance there is um well, the boundary but yeah, Marcus, a, maybe? A, um, yeah, I think I don't know whether it's a, a lot of the trails around here are marked by big stones, just to say this is what you're aiming for. The road, the path is here, um, and I think that's what that is. You can just about make it out. That's quite cool. It, yeah, it's a, it is a bit muddy. Let's um, discretion to the better part of valor and all that. <laughs> all right, okay. Well, and also saves me trying to climb over a style one-handed. So we will <laughs> yeah. take the path back up to follow the Longdendale Trail away from Hadfield. So towards Crowden direction. Yeah, uh, what does it say? Left. TPT East is what the uh, signpost says. Wow, it's even very muddy here, isn't it? I'm slipping, I'm sliding, a bird is singing. Let's uh, rejoin the trail. I mean, the, the trail, I guess when they built the railway around here, it probably kind of obliterated a lot of the lovely tracks and the beautiful kind of, I don't know, medieval history that you would have loved. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 
it's sort of medieval, post-medieval. It's all here, hidden still. Um, but it's, yeah, the, 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 the train track did a lot of... Oh, I mean, did it do damage? It's just another, another layer of history, I suppose, isn't it? Mm. So, you know, it's, I can see how... Uh, the Victorians did a lot of things. They, they utterly ruined Glossop with their buildings and what have you. But, of course, it's just, people have got to live somewhere. It's, it's life, progress and all that. And the growth was so quickly yeah. of people in this area. You know, almost over a blink of 10 years, the population was, like, hugely jumping. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, people come from all over, which, again, changed the, the very nature of Glossop and, and the area around it. Um, incidentally, the, the very start of the, uh, the Londonale Trail, as you come out of... Hadfield Station join it and go on it just about follows the line of the Roman road there you go interesting fact for you <laughs> number fact <laughs> Tim fact of the day <laughs> Fellhouse Dam must be quite an interesting point I mean I'm going to get into the history of who lived there what happened there with Kate but in terms of kind of what remains there I mean the the reservoirs were flooded and that particular mill was a goner but I guess in summertime, you must get to see a whole different kind of experience around here because the water levels drop. Sometimes people say they can see a bit of, you know, the the remains of the mill. I mean, is that like Vellhouse Reservoir? Is that an area of interest? Have you ever explored there? Yeah, actually, uh, last summer. Well, two, three summers ago. Um, just in fact, there's somebody before lockdown it would have been. But also, yeah, last year it was amazing. Really low, um, low, low water level. And you can see Valehouse Farm, which of course is no longer there. Um, generally under about eight feet of water. But what was interesting about it is that clearly the, the, the people who had been living there were quite messy. Um, and there's, there's tons of 17th century pottery, early 18th century pottery in there. Um, absolutely amazing. So you've got real, real evidence of people actual people living there it isn't just an abstract concept these are pots that people would have eaten from yeah so not just like buildings but yeah yeah but, but the physical remains how do you know like i mean what kind of training have you been through to get to like the knowledge where you are today because there's probably tons of people who like going up picking up random bits of pottery but you know this is a proper job for you you've got like proper qualifications <laughs> and everything what does it take to kind of get to the knowledge of like where you are today a sort of damaged mind I think is the is the, is a basic starting no. point but um no I mean it's just a I, I don't know I can't tell you where it comes from but it's uh, you pick it up as you go along and I've just got one of those minds that can spot a, a bit of a bit of pottery from a mile away and um the, I have a PhD which is based largely in pottery it's a actually we're pottery a pottery PhD a pottery PhD but pottery and death and where those two bits meet actually but there you go what, what? yeah well I studied a lot of pottery from um uh, a, a circular tomb on the south coast of Crete um, at a place called Moni Odigitria, which is a wonderful place. Uh, very hot and very desolate, but really quite interesting. All kinds of good stuff uh, coming from there, but it seems that in the midst of death, people were feasting. Wow. Uh, as part, probably as part of, not necessarily the funeral, but later on periods, they would come and cook within the, the confines of the tomb area. Wow. So, so you, you get... You, once you understand pottery, you can then extrapolate. And in the last couple of years, I've been increasingly drawn to post-medieval and early Victorian pottery. Don't ask me why, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but this, uh, you know, around Glossop, Hadfield, Tintwistle, is that like a, a great playground for you then? 
Very much so. Um, there's a lot of Victorian dumping, but these, these isolated farmsteads, Deep Clough, for example, is a, is a good example of that, um, have existed for well since the you know, 17th century, maybe 16th century, maybe even earlier. Um, good good land is always farmed and there will always be people who are willing to farm the land um, so this is why you find these these farmsteads and Glossop is made up of this it's like an extended settlement it's a dispersed settlement we call it you have the centre which is Glossop and then you have all the surrounding farmsteads which are usually either a single farm or a collection of buildings with maybe two or three families living there different generations farming it and um, they get together they use these tracks to communicate they get together they go to the markets in Old Glossop they go to church it's uh, it's it's wonderful to see these connections and to see it on a map the land becomes alive yeah. we think of Glossop as just being well you know the Norfolk Arms and that crossroads just by the station there but actually Glossop and Longdendale and the greater Glossopdale it's made up of these connections of wonderful web of, of roads and, and farmsteads so if you've got a public footpath near you then uh, see where does it connect to yeah. which path yeah. is it where is it in the web yeah this is it and uh, I'm, I'm working on it at the moment but part of my pairing is going to be to to walk these paths to to join these dots yes. I think it'd be you know to to, um, to thread the maze if you will uh, Ariadne's thread and all that I'm getting all classical on you now <laughs> But you know what you say is really interesting. For instance, when I walk from Hadfield to Glossop, I set myself a challenge that I never walk the same path twice in a week. Absolutely. So yeah. it encourages me to look a little bit closer on the map or use my eyes and, and look at where's that foot, you know, public footpath go yeah. and maybe explore the footpaths through Dinting, for instance. I think you're right that it does once you get kind of curious with that and you allow yourself more time it's very easy I think when you walk you just walk from one place to the same repeat yeah. and it's, it's so tempting to kind of get locked into that default but even walking the same path um, I mean there is this fancy term which I have to be honest I had to google and, and read about called psychogeography <laughs> which a lot of it kind of comes from these rather fancy people in France if <laughs> we're honest and very highbrow arty folk but ultimately, I think, well, I've been doing psychogeography for ages. It's just going for a walk, having a look a little bit closer yeah. and, um, you know, maybe going home, taking a photo and going home and, and checking out. And look, I mean, your website, Glossop Curiosities, is a, wow. I mean, it's like overwhelming how much knowledge you have picked up <laughs> and blogged about over the years just in this particular area. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a labour of love. It does take up time, but it's, it's what I love doing and it, the, getting the feedback from people. And there are, you know, it's, it's a rare day that it doesn't get 10 people visiting the blog, which I've got to say, given it's fairly niche subject, subject is, uh, it's amazing, you know. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I love the idea of this, this psychogeography, the, the derive, wandering without aim to see what you find. Oh, that's a bit that's, of a muddy That's bit. the fancy French term. Yeah, a derive. So tell me, so you are also an artist of resident like I am with Glossop Creates yep. for the pairings programme. I have been working with Matt Ross at the Longdondale Environmental Centre to better learn what the Peak District National Park does in this particular area of Longdondale. Um, and you have got a hugely grand idea for yours known as the Big Dig. <laughs> I mean, do you want to kind of go into a bit of detail? It's not like kind of set in stone. Nope. See what I did there? Hey, very good, very good. But you've got kind of bold ambitions and 
yeah, plans of what you want to do. Do you want to kind of give some details of that? Yeah, uh, the idea is that, well, my, my big shtick, okay, I love that word shtick, my big thing is that there's heritage everywhere, and it's our heritage, it's all around us, uh, but Glossop is very sort of locked into this, um, it's very Victorian, so it's got the mills, it's got the road system, it's got this, that, the other, and we know about it all, and I think a lot of people are put off by... Um, by mills quite frankly and I know there's a lot of people out there who like mills and, and that's all well and dandy but there's so much more going on here so the idea is that we I want to give everybody the opportunity to go finding bits and pieces so what you do is you grab a bag there's going to be bags produced with a certain kit in them you grab your bag, you go to your house, your garden, if you haven't got a garden, go to a public footpath, go into Manor Park, go to any of the parks around here. Not digging as such, you're poking around with a stick or whatever I've provided. Probably a spoon, actually. It's going to be a wooden spoon. Ooh. I don't know, fancy. Um, <laughs> but, and, and see what you can find. Record very carefully where you find this stuff, then bring it back to a certain collection point. Um, one of the library, I think, there's going to be places in... Um, I don't know, Dark Peak books, places like that, drop them off. Yep. I'll look at this, plot it on a map, take photographs, get stories of people, what they found, where. So actually, A, it's fun for everybody, everyone's involved, but also B, it's going to give us data, a lot of data to work with. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, if people do have even their own back gardens, which, you know, these days we know is, is a privilege. Yeah using your back garden i mean i guess we're saying here don't go on private land digging holes in private land that you're not meant to be in absolutely but, you know of course there are going to be um places like melandra for example which is a protected place you can't dig there it's very much against the law and as it should be but everywhere else i mean this trail that we're walking along now you know yeah. there could be like you say we've we've given you a big tip there of where that yeah. field field pipe is field drain not field pipe well we are if you are a runner you will know that this is the one mile bridge marker and uh, we're about to walk under it but um yeah, the bridge itself is really interesting i mean it's a fairly standard it's a railway bridge but if you look top left just below the parapet there's a there's like a big line you've got the top of the wall you've got the road service and there's a bit that comes out if you look down with this vertical lot of wall here yes at the top there's an m can you see m okay can you see it carved yes yeah so you may have to, to make a note of this and take a photo and put it on as a pin. But um, okay. what's interesting about that is it's probably a mason's mark, but the mark itself is often referred to as a, as a, a, a witch mark. Really? That's, that's a, it's the inverted um, Vs, connecting Vs. Um, in the medieval period and, and just after, uh, the, up until the Reformation, it was used as a religious symbol to, to, for Mary. But it's also made up of two Vs, and the two Vs are first down for the Virgin of Virgins. Mm -hmm. So it's a very much a, um, a religious mark, which you find made on buildings in the, in the post-Reformation period, um, usually thought of to be uh, what we would call apotropaic, which means to drive away evil, to turn away evil. So, yes, it is a Mason's mark, but I also wonder it was put there by a Mason, knowing that it's a way of, of turning away evil. And don't forget, this is 1850, so there's a lot of bits and pieces. In fact, yeah, there's another one down there, isn't there? I mean, to, to the left of the, the main kind of big, chunky vertical wall, it's really hard to explain this, isn't it? It is. Just above the rambles, I can actually see, yeah, there are some more, yeah. like, mason markings. Wow. I mean, um, all I've ever done when I've walked through this um, bridge is, is uh, shout echo. And... Uh, <laughs> 
now I'm seeing potential markings. I mean, if we actually go into the bridge, are there more markings um, on the wall on the inside? We've I've, got some kind of... I've never seen any because I think here what they've done is they've put the markings on the inside, ah. as we were talking before, because this is more public. You, you're supposed to see this. Yep. Whereas that bit isn't, although that looks like a bit of something there, doesn't it? There is a bit of an arrow. Uh, yeah. There, is, um, oh, there yeah. is a cross here as well, so maybe actually... Which is the same, obviously it's the same markings as the people building the, the, the tunnel back there. Now, there are no M's back there, or interlocking V's, mm. so I wonder if that's something special that some of the, the mason has put on there to, to, in order to protect somehow the, the, the tunnel, the bridge. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and you could see like the, the cast iron, oh, yeah, where there was some kind of gate or maybe fencing, I guess, for when there was the railway here. And more lead to put it in. Wow. All right, well, there you go. Walking through the bridge with all the stonemason markings. You could spend hours looking at that. What's on the other side? Can you see much? And there is, there is another marking. Yeah, oh, that's much easier to see when you walk through the tunnel, the very first, turn left immediately. And there, one, two, three, four, five, six stones upwards. It's, it's not, I, I don't see it as a mason's mark simply because it's very specific where it's placed yeah. and it's not anywhere else. And it's not in the tunnel that we've just seen, which is full of mason's marks. So I wonder if it's something special. And it's very clearly made up of two V's it, upside down, mm. it's, which is a very old fashioned way of writing either a W or an M. We don't do that. And they didn't do that in the Victorian period either. That's a very specific mark. Wow. Whoa. There we go. Well, there we go. That was a good uh, stopping point, wasn't <laughs> it? And if it's raining, that's a great place to, uh, to go in. Well, we'll walk through. The puddles as you can hear and um i think we're continue to walk a little bit further down the trail i mean the we kind of really feel like we're kind of um in the in the valley of embankments here where we can <laughs> see the sun kind of like disappears for a bit because the the bank is so high to the right of us um covered in all kinds of ferns and mossy stones and a, a dry stone wall at the top really similar to the one that we saw earlier on in the field right we are at the turning which is very clearly marked deep clough and it says to the right is a public footpath and straight ahead is the Hadfield and Padfield Heritage Trail so if we um, come to the bit where the uh, the gate is we'll walk through the gate and I imagine Tim this is the uh, the the, the Tra the um, medieval trackway that you talked about i would i would guess so yeah certainly um it's the way it is marked on the map I mean, of course these things they braid which is a great word but essentially as you walk it um it gets muddier and muddier and eventually what you do is you walk to the side of it and or the other side where it's drier and so these roads they're not permanent fixed things like we are roads we imagine they're ways they go in a certain direction um what we can pick up on using various the old maps or using lidar is where it's been worn out completely so um, but yeah this is this is the, tr the track of the of the of the uh, the post medieval or medieval period wow. however old deep cliff is and it looks like we can go left we can go right i'm intrigued to see what if we go left just because it takes us kind of slightly downhill and i can see some more walls is there another tunnel and yeah. maybe that's a good place for us to round off and see are there any more markings that we can uh, see? I feel like this has been the episode of... Um, <laughs> markings and tracks, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it wasn't designed that way. 
No, no. We, I mean, it'll be fascinating for you who is listening to see what do I end up calling this episode. <laughs> An incredibly muddy track. I imagine this is Land Rover heaven down here, but the, we're still on the public footpath and I'm intrigued. So, yes, another tunnel. I've never been to this tunnel before, Tim. Found a new one, and this is an absolute daddy of a tunnel. Whoa! I mean, it's super long, super high, and Tim is entering into it. What can we hear? Not, uh, we've got like a gate post, and I love all the different colors of the wall inside. You know, you can see where the green of the water has kind of been running down. It's almost like the tunnel is in maybe two sections, actually. Like, they kind of extended out because the brickwork is different. Yeah, they did. And they, I just they... got water dropped on my face, <laughs> so I'm going to move a little bit. Yeah, they, they did extend the, the you know, widen the line at some stage, and I, I forget exactly when, but you can see it here, whereas one part of it is brick, the other part, the original part, is stone. Um, I guess brick is easier to use and probably cheaper. And there isn't any markings nope. that we can see. Maybe when we come back here and look a little bit more detail, but lots of mould and lichen growing on the, in between all the bricks on this one. Spider webs, look at the spider webs. Spider webs the are where the spiders are. Mad. That's brilliant. Well, we'll, uh, we'll end this episode in a tunnel, surrounded by mould, lichen and spider webs. Um, maybe you two are in this tunnel. And I wonder whether you can step out to the top left and feel the sun on your face. We got lucky today where uh, it seems to be the sun is coming out to play a bit more than we uh, anticipated. But hopefully, you know, listening to this podcast and this conversation today that you get a sense of some of the cool things that are around this, this patch. And maybe you'll start looking at walls and tunnels and tracks and the public footpaths where you live a little bit closer uh, do let us know if you have a benchmark if you have um, any kind of markings near you then drop us a message you can contact us via the uh, londondaletales.co.uk and also in the episode description i will put a link to um tim's blog as well which uh Get yourself a very big cup of tea uh, <laughs> because you will get lost in a rabbit hole in uh, Tim's fascinating knowledge. But um, yeah, go explore, go walk, get muddy, get your walking boots out, be safe and, uh, and enjoy. <laughs>